Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Amen. Why don't you find somebody near you, give them a fist bump, no hugs. Amen. Amen. We're doing the best that we can in a COVID environment. And it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. All right. Praise God. I'm glad that we're able to be back in some in-person services. Uh, Amen. Thank you, Brother James. There's one, right? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. I know there's some more folks who will be making their way in here in just a moment, but uh, we're going to uh, make a couple of announcements this Sunday, obviously in service, in service service or in, in person service, 11 a.m. Um, come early and pray. Uh, amen. You can pray with the mask on and uh, we could use some prayer in our 1030. We're the music team will be here. They'll be getting done ahead of time. And we're going to have prayer in this building at, uh, at uh, 1030. So please, if you can, come and pray. Find a place to get along with the Lord and ask God to bless that because we've had some, some new folks coming and we need the Lord to bless them. We need the Lord, the Lord to touch them. Amen. Pastor said it the other day, we need a move of God. So make a, make a, make a point in your life to show up a little bit early and spend a few minutes in prayer on Sunday morning. Um, text your attendance, 240-256-4175. How many of you got that stored in your phone? That's awesome, all right? Please text your attendance. That helps us know who was here, and uh, we can get a good head count. Had a pretty good crowd on Sunday, and uh, we're hoping God's going to do something else, all right? Need the ushers to come. We're going to receive our tithe and offering. You can be seated. Unless you need to get into that big, heavy wallet, we'll let you stand up so you can dig in there real good, all right? Some of you got it hid in your shoe. You can sit down, take that shoe off. We'll make it convenient for you to give as much as you can, all right? And if you want to give online, you can do that via the app, or you can text Living Hope MD all caps, to 77977, and give that way, amen? Stretch your hand out toward these ushers. We're going to pray together over the tithe and the offering. Amen. Lord, we love you tonight. We praise you. We bless you. Lord, we lift you up, God. We thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. We thank you for giving into our lives, and we're blessed, Lord, to give back into your great kingdom. And we thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. Bless the gift and the giver tonight in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Ushers, go ahead. Man, we're receiving the tithe and offering. They're moving around. As soon as they get through, we're going to dismiss the children to go to their class and the youth. Brother Josh, I don't see any youth. Any youth here? There's a couple. All right. Praise God. Okay. They're hiding from me. Everybody's wearing a mask. Brother James, don't give it up, bro. Most young people don't have a beard like that, just saying. 
Most teenage boys can't quite get there. Amen. One more time, why don't you stand and just find someone near you, give them a little fist bump, tell them you're glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to get right into some Bible study. How many of you got a Bible tonight? Amen. Turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read a couple of really familiar verses of Scripture. We've been talking about some foundational things the last few weeks. Last week we talked about how to recover from losing ground. Anybody admit they lost a little ground? All right? We've been talking about some things like that this year. And, you know, we've looked at the before principle. You know, we talked about hope. We talked about, um, you know, the hidden life and what faith does. We've looked at some things over this summer. And today, this evening, I want us to consider the foundation. I want us to consider, tell your neighbor, consider Consider the foundation. Amen? Because it's important. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 24. Jesus uses this parable. He said, therefore, or because of what is said in in the previous verses, we'll get to that a little bit later, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken, I'm going to compare him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the flood came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened, shall be compared to a foolish man, which built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, And the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. Tell your neighbor, it fell. And great was the fall of it. Amen? I watched some of that. You can be seated. I watched some some footage of of the hurricane and all of those buildings being ripped apart and different things. And and, and we understand that that's that's terrible. When that storm comes, it, it, it it, it, it tore those buildings, it tore those houses apart. And that's just really sometimes how things work. And uh, the storms are going to come. And so tonight I want us to consider the foundation, probably as part of an introduction, uh, talk to you about the Leaning Tower of Pisa in Italy. How many of you are familiar with that? They tell us for sure that it's going to fall, or maybe it might fall. They're not certain now. 
but scientists every year travel to this little town of Pisa and they measure the building's slow descent. They report that this 179-foot tower, which was built in 1173, how many of you are that old? No, no one, right? Moves about 120th of an inch a year. So every 20 years it's going to move an inch. And it's now not 17 inches, but 17 feet out of plumb. When I build something, I want to keep it within a quarter inch, you know. And I, I'm, not, I'm not a carpenter. Uh, you know, some of those guys can keep it an eighth of an inch or even closer, but 17 feet out of plumb. But recent renovations, they say, could save this 847-year-old tower and it could, they're not sure, could possibly prevent it from, t- from collapsing. Only time will tell. And ironically, if you do a little bit of research on it, the word Pisa means marshy land. Go figure, right? Which probably is a clue to why the tower began to lean even before it was completed. But uh, I guess another disturbing issue is the fact that a 179-foot tall tower only has a 10-foot deep foundation probably going to be an issue, right? And so the reason that this leaning tower of Pisa is leaning is because it is built on a poor or a faulty foundation. And so the story from our text tonight is about two different builders who built houses on two completely different types of foundations with two completely different results. And so it really is in this parable of just four verses where Jesus inserts this, He's talking about a tale of two builders. And so Jesus teaches us that the foundation that we're building our spiritual lives upon is of paramount importance. Tell your neighbor it's important. And so tonight I want to look really quickly at some elements, or I want you to consider three specific things about this story of the foundation. And and we, we recognize this. How many of you are over 40? How many of you think you'll never get there? Some of you are looking right down at it. Some of you are like, I ain't never going to make it that far. I promise you, you'll be like the rest of us. If you knew you'd get this old, you'd take better care of yourself when you're your age. I heard an amen somewhere in there, right? But I I want us to consider some, some foundational principles, some things about the foundation, because what whether you know it or not, every decision that you make is laying a brick upon the foundation of life. Um, I, I've purchased a book. It hasn't arrived yet. Probably going to do some teaching. Uh, how many of you know who Brother Kuhn is? Carlton Kuhn. He's a leader in, in our organization. He wrote a book, and I'm going to use the book probably as a teaching series. Uh, it, he, he does an anatomy of Lot's life, and he, it's called The Anatomy of Bad Decisions. And so I'm going to teach probably several lessons on making poor decisions. How many of you have already got a Ph.D. in that? Well, hopefully there's some principles in the Scripture. I know that there are, that he talks about Lot's life where we can do that. But how many of you know that every decision you make, whether a good decision or a bad decision, it is laying a brick upon the foundation that you're building your life on? And so the first one, I want the first C up there, you'll see the first C, I want you to consider some comparisons. So on the surface, this very short parable appears to speak of two very different types of people. 
And so these two people that Jesus pictures, they've got some pretty important characteristics that really are in common. And so we're going to look at a couple of those tonight. The first one is this. Both of these builders, these two builders, heard the words of Christ. Both of these people in this parable, they share the same message. They've heard the same word of God. Verse 24 and verse 26, Jesus refers to he that heareth these words. He said the message is the same. So we can infer, we can infer that both, both of the builders that are referenced in the parable, they both understood and they both knew what biblical salvation was. They had birth. They had both heard the gospel message, and each one had had a reaction to it. Now, I'm going to tell you, after having been in ministry for too long, I'm going to tell you how long, uh, I want you to understand that when you preach, when, you, when a preacher preaches the truth of the gospel, every person has a reaction to it, whether visible or invisible. Most of the time, it's visible. But every time you hear the gospel message, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, you have a reaction to the gospel. I believe it's innate in our nature. You cannot not react to it. And I've watched so many times good people hear the gospel message, and they very nonchalantly, sure wish that preacher would find a new stick. Sure wish he'd find something else to teach about. I've, I've heard baptism. I've heard repentance. I've heard that message before, right? And, and so whether you know it or not, whether you recognize it or not, the truth is you always react to the gospel message, right? And so they both heard it. Now, the second comparison that I want to make is that they both built houses. Each of the people built a house based on their understanding of what Jesus said. And so the house in this parable, like I've been talking about, is a picture of life. That is, each man, each builder built based on how they interpreted the words or the message of Jesus Christ. Now, this means that both, be, both builders had to ultimately believe the message to a certain point. Okay? Now, you're, how, how many of you have ever heard the expression, I, I, I take what that person says with a grain of salt? Right? You know what that means, right? That means I, I'm skeptical of what they're saying. I, I'm not sure that I'm going to buy into everything that they're saying. I'm, I'm going to take that with a, a grain of salt. But in, in this case, both of these men had heard the word. Both of these men had reacted to the word. And both of these builders ultimately believed the message to at least a certain point. And so even a step further, they each had applied the words of Jesus to their life, hear me now, as they saw fit. And so historically, just kind of off the top, not going to go deep into this, there are four basic biblical four basic types or four major types of biblical interpretation. Theologians call them hermeneutics. There's the literal, the moral, the allegorical, and the anagogical. It's not the analogical, the anagogical. And you can look that up and research that if you want to. But it, it really, those are the, the types of, of hermeneutics. But here's what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. He said, listen, there's, there's no private interpretation. 
He said there's not, he said, the, he, he talks about that the Holy Ghost, right? That the, the, the Holy Ghost wrote or spake in old time by the utterance. He, the old, those old time men, when they began to write the word, they wrote it down, right? They wrote it down as they were inspired or moved by the Holy Ghost. What he's talking about is, listen, there's no private interpretation for you or for me. Now, I, I, I've been preaching long enough to explain to you and let you know that people will, people will tell you, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I feel. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think. I hear what you're saying, but I was always taught, you know, and, and, and so you've heard it from this pulpit, from Pastor State, and you've heard it from Brother Roberts, you've heard it from all the preachers of Living Hope. If it's not in this book, hello, it don't matter what you think, how you feel, or, right, but the, the truth is, that whatever you hear, you're going to interpret it. So that's why we really need the Holy Ghost, because the Holy Ghost is the only true interpretation of the Word of God. Because if I, I begin to put it into my natural senses, I, I, I'll twist it and contort it and make it, ha, make it something that I feel. And so as we begin to compare this, these, these men, they, they, both, they both heard. They both built houses, right? They both, they both believed to a certain point. But notice this in verse 27. They both built in the same location. There was a very severe storm, and Jesus only gives us that there was one storm. There's not multiple storms, but there's only one storm, and that storm affected both houses. So likely, or they must have built in at least some close proximity one to one another. They were probably in the same neighborhood, right? They, they likely used similar materials and probably even had a similar design. Not sure, maybe the floor plan was, but from the outside, the houses looked similar. They were, in fact, probably so similar that you and I might not have been able to tell them apart. But so the picture is of people and how they respond differently to the gospel message. And so it's easy for us to sit in the house of God on a Wednesday night and say, well, Brother Roberts, you know, I've heard that word and I respond to the gospel and I, I respond to it right every time. But what really is the gospel? We know what the gospel is. Paul wrote it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He said, I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, right? He said how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day, again, according to the scriptures. Now, we recognize this as the death, the burial, and the resurrection, that's the gospel. That's the good news. That's what makes that that's what enables us to to follow biblical salvation. And so that's the message that has to be believed in order for any person to be saved. I'll pause right there because there's a lot of there's a lot of roads in our world today. Somebody said there's a lot of yellow brick roads and yet different color brick roads all over the internet, right? But don't believe everything you read, right? If it's the, the Bible tells us this, right? That you need to understand it takes the death, the burial, and the resurrection. There's not another plan. Well, you know, I, 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 did, that, I did that years ago. No, no, no. The, that death thing, it, it's a constant thing. That burial thing. You, baptism is still working for you today as well as it was however many years ago that you were baptized. 
How many of you ever heard Brother Roberts baptize somebody? I love to tell people that what you're doing today is not just for today because God is not bound by time like you, you and I are, but by faith, what you're doing, there's no magic in the water, but when you go down in that water in the name of Jesus and that preacher, he's exercising faith, and every time you come to an altar and you confess your sin, right, Jesus can reach back through time, and because of your obedience to the Word, I feel the Holy Ghost on a Wednesday night. Because of your obedience to the Word, God is not bound by time. He's not bound by sin or any other thing. He can reach back and look back to 1984 when Brother Roberts was baptized in an old horse trough on Midway Drive. And he can say, because that knucklehead obeyed me all of those years ago, I can still, I can still cover that sin. I can still wash it away today. Amen? Amen? The Bible says this, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, right? You've got to, listen, there's a, there's a confession part of this. What you hear, you've got to be able to confess. It's, a, it's really part of it, that, that symbolic death that we talk about. That confession is so important. I've still got to confess. What? If I, what? If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just that word is justified to to forgive and to cleanse me of all my sin and all my unrighteousness it's a principle of God's word right we know this Mark chapter 16 verse 16 he that believeth in him and is baptized shall be saved but he that believeth not shall be damned right we know what the Bible says right Peter told him repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right, for the remission of every one of your sins, and you shall receive the baptism, that gift of the Holy Ghost. And so the reality is this, is that people hear the same message and they react to it. They respond to it in different ways. And so regardless of how you or I react to it or respond to it, what you're doing is you're building your life upon what you believe Jesus Christ is saying to you. That's an important part that we're talking about. Both of these men built their houses in the same location. Both of these men weathered the same storm. They probably worked on the same type of job. They probably did the same things. They probably went to the same church. They likely heard the same preacher preaching. They probably lived similar or the same kind of life. And from the outside, you couldn't tell much different between them. They probably dressed the same way, talked the same way, acted the same way. But one of those men built differently than the other. Those two men built completely different. And so we can't always look on the outside and say, oh, yeah, they're building right, they're building good. They're building, they're not building good. Some things are obvious, but we're talking not about how the world builds and how the church builds. We're talking about how people inside the body are building. I can imagine in my mind, Sister Lawrence, that the people that are pictured in this, in this parable are religious people. They probably are orthodox in their beliefs. They probably serve in the church. It's likely that they support the church. I would go so far as to say that they're responsible citizens, and both of them seem to believe the same things and live the same kind of lives. They have a lot in common, at least on the outside. And so that's our comparison, right? We've got to consider, 
right? We've got to consider that there are some comparisons to people who are going to make it and some who are not. But there is a second point tonight that I want to look at, and those are contrasts. And while there are a lot of similarities to the men, to the builders in this four-verse parable, there are also some very major differences on these two very different types of people. Those differences are very much worth noting. The first one is this. One man built his house upon the sand. Now, we know this. this is, that's pretty foolish, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, there's no doubt about that. It's not, even, it's not even an argument, right? But according to the Word of God, one man built his house with little to no preparation. Eight, nine, ten. Little to no preparation. What, what is spiritual preparation? It still takes prayer. It still takes reading the Word. It still takes listening to the Word and making application. It, it takes more than just showing up, right? It, 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 you still got to make an effort, right? And so this man who built on the sand had little to no preparation. According to what Jesus said, he simply found a spot and said, this one looks good, I think I'll build a house right here. That, that's concerning to me, that there are people in the house of God who say, hey, this, this, is, this looks good to me, I think I'll just build right here. But we know this, we know that sand is unstable. We know that, that sand is always changing, always moving, right? We know that sand offers no stability. We know this, we understand this, and yet there are people that come to Living Hope and to likely every church in America around the world who are building on sand. We know, we understand, Brother Henderson, that sand is not a good place to build a house. Why? Because sand will never provide a firm foundation. But in the context of building on sand, this speaks to people who hear the gospel. Now listen to what I'm going to say tonight. But instead of believing the gospel, instead of believing that they still, after X number of years or X number of months, they still need the death, the burial, and the resurrection, instead of believing that and obeying the Word of God, they believe that they can build their lives on the shifting sands of human philosophy. What are you talking about? They believe that they can build their lives upon the wisdom of humanity or even upon popular opinion and religious achievement. I was in prayer earlier and I told the Lord, I said, God, it, it, it frightens me that I watch good people who hear the truth of God's Word who are less swayed by that than they are by a Facebook post. It it frightens me that we can be the people of God and we can be more passionate about a political party than we are about the house of God and the things of God. That's sand. That's not rock. That's not, that's, that's sand. That really is, that's human philosophy. That's popular opinion. That's some type of religious achievement. I, I, I'm talking to some good folk that have already made up your mind. You're going you're to vote because of this or that, right? I, I'm not, not going to criticize you no matter how you vote. But I want to vote not according to how I feel or what I think, but according to the principles of God's Word. Now, we know that none of these, none of these characters are going to... None of these guys are going to line up with the Word of God, right? But we got to line those truth as well as we can. 
You understand that, right? Why? It's not really because if I, if I vote how I feel or what I think or, or for some other reason, then that, that, that's sand. All right? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to get lost on this voting thing. I'm talking about the brick that you lay upon your life is weighted heavily by your opinion. And if you put too many bricks of opinion upon sand, well, that's not going to work out for you. But the truth, the bottom line is that sand builders are driven by outward and religious appearances. They want everybody to think that they're good, that they're all right, that they're saved, that they're doing right. But they, the reality is that they have faith in themselves. They got more faith in their own abilities than they do in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about some contrast. We looked at some comparisons. They, they built the same places. They, they built similar houses. They heard the same word. They reacted. There were, there were a lot of similarities, but now we're looking at some things that are going to contrast here. And so people that, that hear the gospel, they hear the word of God, but they choose to save themselves. Now you got to be careful because people sit in church and go, man, I would never feel that way. Be careful, Re actions speak louder than words, right? They hear the gospel and they, they believe it's general message, but they choose to follow God on their own terms. I'm trying to put this, this great parable into some simple terms that we understand. To them, the word of God is open to interpretation. Well, I know pastor preaches that. I know, I know the, the church stands for that, but we, you know, you know they, they're just a little too far this way or that way for us. Listen to me, folks. The Word of God is the Word of God, and my, my feelings, what I think and how I feel, really shouldn't play a portion in that. Amen. This Word of God is not open to interpretation. If the Word commands them to do something, maybe they will, maybe they won't. They, if they obey, it's because they choose to do so. And uh, in, in a general sense, if they don't like it, they won't do it. I can't tell you how many good folks, tithe payers, churchgoers, people who dance in the front that I have seen come to church and, 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 and they, they say one thing but do another, Right? They say okie dokie while they're here and they go out and live. They, right? I'm an angel here, but I'm the devil out there. And so to them, right, it's all upon them. And so their spiritual house is built upon the five theories of self. Have anybody ever heard those? Self-will, self-fulfillment, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and self-righteousness. Somebody writing those down? Self-will, self-fulfillment, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and self-righteousness. Those are the five values of self. And so their building is based upon religion that has the appearance of being right, but it lacks a real power that saves. Brother Robert, you're supposed to be teaching. I'm in the Word tonight. I'm in the Word tonight. Paul described this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 5. He said there's going to be people that have a form of godliness, but they truly deny the real power. He said from such people turn away. Get away from them. Why? Because they talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They're sand builders. Can I tell you the bottom line is people build on sand because it's easy. People build on sand because it requires little effort. It requires the minimum amount of effort. Just a little change here, 
Just a little change there, and I can fool myself and fool everybody around me to thinking that I'm right with God. But listen to what I'm saying tonight. A life built on sand requires no commitment, no sacrifice, and very little faith. I'm trying to help us because I promise you in, in the middle of what we're going through, there are a lot of folks who've laid some, who laid some bricks on the wrong foundation. Not on purpose, not because, they, not because they intended to, but because they began to rely on self and they began to fulfill self. And they, right, they, began, they got into those, those uh, they began to be self-sufficient and they wanted, to, they wanted to satisfy themselves and they were not really intended to, but they were building upon their own righteousness. But people who, believe, who build on sand believe they can pray a prayer, sign a card, join a church, and everything's good, right? But they're building on sand, and so the sand builders can turn it on and turn it off, like sw- flipping a switch. Hello, somebody. If you've got the real Holy Ghost, you can't turn it on and turn it off. Now, look, we all got some carnality. Bishop said, pinch that stuff because it's flesh, Right? And I don't know when the last time your flesh made an appearance in your life, but mine does pretty regular. Hello? That's just the reality of it. But at the end of the day, I've got to be spiritual enough to make sure that I'm putting that brick of my day, that brick of where my commitment, where my, where my sustenance is, putting that on the right foundation. Why? Because God is going to make demands upon every life. And Brother Robert, you can't come in on a Wednesday night in the middle of COVID when half the people are home and start talking about God making demands. But when God makes demands on sand builders, when he calls for total surrender, they begin to make excuses. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to show it to you in the scripture. There's some sand builders. Luke chapter 9 verse 57 It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man, right? That certain man came to the Lord and said, I'm going to follow you whithersoever thou goest. I'll go with you anywhere, Jesus. And Jesus looked at the man and said, foxes have got holes and birds have got, birds of the air got nests. But the son of man hath not where to lay his head. He said, I don't have any place to go. He said, he said to another, follow me. Now watch this. The excuses begin. But he saith, Lord. Suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but you need to go and preach the kingdom of God. Another person came up. Watch this excuse. Lord, I'm going to follow you, but let me go home. Let me get them people out of my house first. Let me bid farewell to them which are in my house. And Jesus said it this way. No man that has put his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. We used to sing the old Sunday school song, excuses, excuses. We make them every day, right? The devil, I don't remember the song. That's horrible, isn't it? The song goes, if, you, if you'll stay away from church, the devil will give you an excuse every day. You can always find a reason to not do the basic tenets of Christianity. If you make up your mind that you're going to pray, Don't take this thing with you. Hello? I'm just telling you, 
because I know, I know from experience that, that it'll start ringing. It'll start dinging. It'll start doing something, and it'll distract you. But listen, those things, listen, when, when, when that, that's what sand does. When you begin, when you begin to build on sand, the, those, that, that commitment, that commitment is going to fail. It's going to, it's it just kind of, the things just kind of get in the way. And listen, life gets busy. That's just what it is, right? But those people, they begin to build on religion and self-righteousness and false hope, and they're not really serving God as much as they're serving their own interests. Let me tell you about sand builders. They don't sacrifice. No, they like the easy path. Now, I'm talking to my mature crowd now. There's some older folks in here. I I don't like to walk uphill as much as I used to. I don't like stairs as much as I I see some of y'all middle-aged folks going, yeah, uh-huh. You don't like them either, right? You're going to like them even less when you get some years on them bones, right? Because why? Because sand builders want instant results. Sand builders want instant rewards. They want automatic instant satisfaction, and, and they want instant oatmeal and instant pleasure. They, they like it all, right? But here's the bottom line. People that build on sand, how do, how do you know who they are? They tend to be shallow. They, they, they tend to like, they, 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 they love the heights, but they don't like the depths. They like all the shouting, but they don't, they don't want to show up early and pray. They don't want to find a place and get alone with God, right? They're hot, and then they're cold. And they're in, and then they're out. They're, they're up, and they're down. They're, there's no stability. Why? Because they're built upon the sand. I'm trying to help somebody. Because there's not a single one of us who couldn't look at some aspect of our spiritual life and go, yeah, I, I tend to be up and down more than I used to be. Or I tend to be hotter and colder than I used to be, right? I tend to be, right, I tend to shift around. Why? That's, a, that's an indication that there's sand there. But the contrast, the flip side of this is the man that built upon the rock. You need to understand this is, this is, this is the Word of God. The, the, uh, the second man, he, he built his house upon the rock, and the word rock refers to a large outcropping, or it really means bedrock. And so while one man built his house on the sand, the other man dug down until he hit solid foundation. He dug until he reached the bedrock, and he built his house upon the rock. Now, here's the difference between rock and sand. The bedrock does not move. It does not change. It is stable, right? Bedrock offers a solid, a good foundation, a right place to build a house. And so building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and believe it to the point in which it changes their lives. And they not only does it change their lives, but they begin to build upon it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. The rock... These words of mine that Jesus said both of these men heareth is the same word used in Matthew chapter 16 in the story you know of Jesus, right? And Jesus looks at his disciples in verse 16 of Matthew 16, and he he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And you know the story. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, 
but my Father. Listen, sand builders build upon the highs, and they build upon the lows, and they're unstable. But the rock folks, the man who built his life on the rock, he built upon revelation. Why? Because he says, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, upon this foundation, the foundation of the revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus does, right? That's what, that, uh, he said, upon this, I'm going to build my church. Hello. I, that, that's, I'm trying to help some folks that are all online and in the building that are they're kind of they're they're kind of in and they're out they're up and they're down they're kind of what they're, you're you're building on some sand right now and you need to get back to the revelation of who Jesus is. The old song said, "Let me tell you who Jesus is." Right? Uh, there there were a lot of verses with that song. He's God right on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God right in the Amen corner, and He's God forevermore. We, we've said it over and over again, but I, I want someone to get it into your spirit tonight. Listen, God is not upset by COVID. He's not, he's not wondering what to do. He's not chewing his fingernails in heaven, wondering how we're going to get through this. He understands what's going on. He's not frightened by any of this. Rock builders build upon the revelation. That, that rock refers to Peter's faith, that profession. Remember, we talked about that earlier. There was a confession. Peter begins to confess. When he said, who to men? He said, thou art the Christ. You're, you're, you're the anointed one. That's what Christ means. You're the one. You're the, you're the savior of the world. And he said, listen, there's a revelation here, Peter, and I'm going to build my church upon it. Why? Because rock builders understand that Jesus alone has the power to save a soul. Brother Trey, I need my soul saved just as much now as I did 36 years ago when I, when I walked in that little block building on Midway Drive and made my way down the crooked hallways that we took out eventually. I, I, I remember Sister Lawrence walking in to those, the, the, the tiles were still moving on the floor and the, the chairs were scattered all over and the walls were unpainted. It, it was pretty pretty rough looking place. But I remember walking down there. I remember in just a couple of weeks, I remember it wasn't very long that Bishop baptized me in the name of Jesus in that old horse trough. And I remember standing down front there at the front and Brother Lyon praying with me and, and God baptized me with the Holy Ghost. And I stopped and said, hey, I was talking in tongues. And, and Brother Lyon was smiling and said, I know, I was right there. Why? Because the Holy Ghost filled my life, right? And I need that same experience today just as much as I did 36 years ago. I can't shift my focus from the rock to the sand. I, I can't become so, so saved that I began to be self-sufficient and self-fulfilled, right? Uh, most of the time I'm just self-annoyed. But Jesus said the rock builders hear the word and they begin to conform their life to it. We live in a world where people don't want to conform to anything. Hear what I'm saying. This is a major spirit in our world today. You do you and I'll do me. No, no, no. Let's do the word. Let's do the book. Let's stay in the word. Listen, I ought to get a better shout from you than that. We need to do the word, right? 
Uh, that's That's a dominant spirit in our age. Distraction is probably number one. But second to it is I'll do what I want and no man can tell me what to do and how to do it. Listen, I wanna I'm building upon the revelation of who Jesus is. I'm building upon the revelation that He's my healer, He's my deliverer, He's my foundation, He's my rock, He's my high tower. I'm building upon the revelation that He's my Savior alone, and beside Him there is no other God. And I can't start now putting bricks on a different foundation. I can't, I, can't, I can't build half on the sand and half on the rock because that sand side is gonna, it's gonna shift and the whole house will fall. Why? Because the Bible says this. He's, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, no man is gonna come to the Father but through or by me. Amen. That's still true. We understand that the Bible is still true for God so loved the world that He gave. His only begotten Son that what? That whosoever believeth on that Word, on Him, He's that Word that was made flesh, right? Should not perish, but is going to get everlasting life. The Bible's still true. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that are laboring and heavy laden, and I'm good. That's where I need to get my rest from. I can't get my rest from social media. Somebody hear me on a Wednesday night, right? The message of the word for the rock builder strikes like a lightning bolt. It comes into the heart with absolute clarity. They hear the truth about Jesus and they believe it. They believe it. They embrace it. They yield to it. That message doesn't just change their lives. It begins to conform. Paul said it this way. It transforms their lives. The difference between the sand builder and the rock builder is the sand guy says, yeah, I'll do it and walks out and does what he wants. But the rock builder says, you know what? That word of God says it, and that's what I'm going to do. The rock builder, God's word tells them to do it, and they do it. God's word tells them not to do it, and they avoid it like the plague. The rock builder, I'm talking about a contrast. The the, the rock builder versus the sand builder. The rock builder will pay any price. They'll walk any path. They'll do anything that the Lord tells them to do. Why? Because they're building their house upon a rock. I remember the old time preachers. Some of you are far too young to remember them. But some of those old time preachers taught us that God deserves your very best. What happened to that? What happened to that? Well, you know, you know what it's called? It's called casual Christianity. Right? I you do you, y'all do me, but I'm telling you, hear, hear what I'm saying. My approach is different when I'm casual. And, and, and the, the rock builders, they sacrifice, they work, they do anything they can to honor the Lord. Why? Because God deserves the very best. Pastor said this recently, it's a shame to give your job more effort and energy than you do God. It's a crying shame, right? I, I want to go on my job. I, I, I actually like to work. I enjoy work. I love to do, I love that sense of satisfaction. I want to go and do a good job. But I don't want to come to the house of God and put in a half an effort. Why? Because he deserves my very best. That's a foundation that's built on rock. Sand is like, well, you know, I don't really feel like it today. Let somebody else do it. 
That, that's, a sand, that's a sand builder. But the rock builders, they love him and they honor him and they obey him. They've got obedience to the word of God. John, 1 John chapter 2. You know the word, you know the scripture. John wrote it this way. He's talking about how the redeemed understand that they're the redeemed. He said, hereby we do know that we know him if we obey him. If we keep his commandments. Why? Because he saith, I know him and keepeth his commandments. Why? Keepeth not his commandments is a, he's a fibber. He ain't telling the truth. And even goes so far to say the truth is not in that person. Right? But whoso keepeth the word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby, listen to this, this is how we know, right, that we're in him, that we're building on the rock. Because he that saith he abideth in him ought also to walk even as he walked. Two people construct vastly different lives based upon how they hear and respond to the gospel. One house is built on a firm foundation. The other house is built, right, on, 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 on something less than that. That house built on the shifting sand of religious, religious works and self-righteousness. But one of those houses describes the kind of life that you are building right now. When I was a kid, I have, I have an uncle, and he had a house in Utah. And in, in Utah... They have a few valleys, and they have all these big mountains. And you could tell how much money somebody has, or at least you could back in the day, by how, how, how high their house was up on the mountain. And my uncle lived around the corner in Bountiful. And um, his house was way up on the mountain. It was so high up on the mountain that the foundation fell down two times while they were trying to build it. And you would go into his house and walk out on the back deck and look down 200 feet. And he had a little yard about the size of this, this, this sanctuary. And he had a spiral staircase that went down. I mean, it, Brother Tim, it was way down there. And he had a little lawnmower down there. And they had literally bought the lawnmower and had to lower that thing down with a rope and get it. It was a beautiful house. But... It always scared me as a kid to walk up in that house because, you know, the slightest shifting and that house was coming down. And I'm sure they built it pretty solid, but I mean, most of that house was built out over air. And because he had it right, and you, we got to understand this. We can't, we can't build half on the rock and half on the sand. We, we've got to make sure that my whole life is built. I'd rather be living in the valley and dealing with all of the valley issues than being up on the mountain half in and half out. Listen, we understand this. We know what the Word said. Neither is there salvation in any other. Why? Because there's not another name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. Right? We understand that, right? We know that according to Acts 16 and 13, Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. 
Why? Because what you're building, how you're building is important, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and 11, Paul said it this way, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Who or what is the foundation of your life? What you're building upon, right? I want to build upon the rock and not on the sand of this life. So we've looked at some comparisons. We've looked at the contrast. And we know this. You know this. Now, I'm not bringing you some great revelation. You don't want to build on sand. But the reality is that every one of us will put bricks from time to time into the sand. Hello? All right. I, I, I'm just telling you, we're, we're going to put them there. Why? Because we're human. And so we've got to make sure that brick is moved back over to the right foundation. Why? Because the third C that I want to talk about tonight is the consequence. There are consequences. The parable tells us that the rain came and the floods followed and there were great winds of destruction that blew. And this image is not just about some single storm, but this is an image of judgment. Oh, Brother Robert, you did not go there on Wednesday night in the middle of COVID. You can't talk about judgment, right? But in the end, you need to understand that both houses were subjected to a terrible storm of judgment. One house stood, and the other was completely, totally, utterly destroyed. That house that was built on sand, it could not face the withering judgment of God, and it collapsed. According to Jesus, he said, and great was the fall of it. It signifies that that house was utterly, completely destroyed. There was nothing left to show for the life that was lived within it. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to be a hearer of the Word. What a tragedy to be building a spiritual house side by side, but be putting it on the wrong foundation. This is a picture of what's going to happen to anyone who builds their life on anything other than the revelation of Jesus Christ. Why? It's not popular. It's not, it's not prudent because we don't stand in pulpits every week and talk about judgment, but there is coming a day when every person will face Jesus Christ. People who are trusting religion or good works, right? Or some prayer they prayed at some point. Some emotional experience they had. Some profession they made a hundred years ago or anything else. They're going to see the house that they built crumble and fall under the hand of judgment. But the person who builds their life upon the rock. As great as the fall was of that house on sand, I have to believe in my heart that so is the great the standing of the house that was built upon the foundation. Amen. Verse 24 begins in our text tonight with therefore. Because verses 21 through 23, Jesus begins to talk about people that come to him and begin to profess. And confess, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many, didn't we do, didn't we do? And he began to profess to them, depart from me, you builders of sand, you workers of iniquity. I did not know you. Why? Because they, they put their works in self-righteousness. And they, they, put their, they put their bricks upon what they did. And we know this, God cannot accept sin into his heaven, right? 
We, we grasp this. We understand this. But there, there is a consequence on how you build. It's amazing to me. I, I, I think it's a, a travesty of our nation how that people want to build right on the coast in Hurricane Alley and expect the government to rebuild their house when a hurricane destroys it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not lacking compassion, but you know, it really doesn't seem to make a lot of sense that I've got to pay a higher insurance premium because they want to build right on below sea level, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And the same is true, right? That house that was built upon the rock, it experienced the same storm, the same rain, the same flood. And according to the Bible, it beat upon that house. That word beat means to strike or to batter, right? And this, this house was battered, but it stood against the storm that was thrown against it. Can I tell somebody that judgment's going to come to every life? But the house that is built upon the revelation of the Word of God, when the battering comes, when the beating comes. So, Brother Roberts, you're so positive tonight, we're going to get a beating someday. Definitely not like we deserve. Amen? And nothing compared to what your mama or your daddy gave you. Hello? Some of you folks are several decades old and still talking about the beatings that your mom and dad gave you. But when the judgment comes, that's a battering, right? That, 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 that really is going to be something. But that house stood because it was built upon the foundation of the Word of God. That builder, he dug deeper, and he built on something that was greater than himself. And the builder of this house, he, he listen, that's the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? And you can join the church and go to hell. You can be baptized and go to hell. You can be a good person and, and face the judgment, right? You can build your house upon religion and fail, you can build on all kinds of philosophy and human wisdom, anything else you can think of, but when you build your house upon the Word, it'll stand the test of time. I'm telling somebody that you can have confidence that your house will stand, but how many bricks of human philosophy does it take to weaken my foundation? How many bricks of self-will. Hello? I'm talking to some of us humans tonight that are, that are dealing with that, right? And so the lesson is if you're going to build your house on anything, make sure it's built upon the Word of God. Because if anything is happening in our society right now, what's really happening is people are beginning to live by how they feel and what they think. Or they're being directed by fear, right? Uh, and we, 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 listen, He's not giving us again the spirit of but of love and of power. I'm building upon that right foundation. You, you need to understand that there are a lot of things that are going on in our world today, and the foundation is so important. Brother Roberts, that was such a simple lesson. I know it was simple, but I felt in the Holy Ghost to teach it to the core of the church. Why? Because we've got to make sure our foundation is sure. We've got to make sure that I'm not putting bricks upon the sand of fear, upon the sand of self. 
I've got to build upon the foundation. Why? Because my salvation is in Jesus Christ and in nothing else. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Right? The rest, that, that there ought to be a verse that goes on anything else I'm going to fall. But on Christ the solid rock, I, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. There is a storm coming, there, right? And your house will face that, right? There will be, right, a path when the storm comes. But I want to build upon the foundation of God's Word. Amen. To our E family tonight, I hope that you're watching from home. I hope that you understand what I'm trying to help us understand from the Word of God, that there, there is a comparison between those builders. They were not, they were, he's not referring to folks who didn't go to church. They were in the same place. They heard the same message. They lived in the same house. They, they built similar houses. You couldn't tell them apart, right? But there was a, a deep contrast on where they were laying the bricks of life. But there was also a consequence. Let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I pray for living hope. I pray for the people of God. I pray, God, that you would reveal to us those places where we are putting bricks upon the sand of this world, upon the foundations that will not hold. Lord, I pray, God, that we would go again and look at the revelation of who you are. God, that you would use the revelation of your word to build again those foundations in our lives, God. I pray, Father, for the revelation in the hearts and minds of your people, for every one of us who are building upon something other than the truth of God's Word. Lord, I pray that you would help me to deal with my emotions and my fear and my, my thoughts and my opinions, God. Help me to, Lord, help me to be more responsive to the Word than I am the opinions of this world. Help my spirit, God, to be more engaged with what the preacher says than what social media says. Lord, I pray for the church tonight. I'm praying for the body tonight. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus upon every child of God tonight. Lord, help us to make that comparison and not be deceived by the rudiments of this world, but God, to lay upon the foundation that you are the Christ and the Savior of every soul and every life in Jesus' name. I think it would be fitting if we stood tonight and gave the Lord a hand clap of praise. I want to build upon the right foundation because there will be a day of consequence. Not popular. No one wants to hear that today. Everybody wants to think that God is a God of love and not a God of judgment. The pastor talked to us about that on Sunday. There is a foundation upon the Word of God. How do we do that? Just some practical application. When that emotion, and it will come to your life, you get, every one of you are emotional about all of the politics. The next 60 days in our country are just going to be the most ridiculous 60 days we've ever faced in our lives. You know that. I know that. And, and I'm telling you, we need to take all of these things that we're hearing and reading and the emotions that come with them, and we need to put them back in that Word of God and look upon this right as signs of the time. Jesus said, in the last days. And I need to make sure I take that brick of my emotion and get it off the sand and begin to filter it through the Word of God and put it upon that bedrock foundation and say, Lord, let me stand right here in Jesus' name. 
Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going away.